renewable energy system is undergoing a huge transition, with the costs of renewable energy becoming more competitive versus traditional sources, along with increased public awareness and pressure. Renewable energy is becoming the mainstream energy source for many, no longer an alternative just for the progressive few. Listen each week as Brant Handley and Christian Crown, founding partners of Renew Executive Search, interview renewable energy and sustainability experts that are not only making a difference to the environment, but are also growing successful businesses. Listen and learn about what attracted these experts to renewables, why they've stayed in the sector, and how they are helping renewable companies create a better tomorrow. We know you'll enjoy these stories as much as Brandt and Christian enjoyed recording them. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are looking forward to you joining us as we dive deeper on how renewables are going mainstream. Today's guest is Mark Lehim co-founder and CEO of Panel a Planet, which he founded in 2016 with a team of eco-entrepreneurs to advise and educate clients on how to make the best decisions from both an economic and green perspective. Mark has gained a broad industry experience, including commercial-level solar, lighting and water conservation efforts that are now saving Southern California in excess of 100 million gallons of water per year. In 2018, Mark began a joint venture company, Planet Optima, which allows for a more of a whole building approach of renewables that are driven by the client's needs and state and utility funded initiatives. Welcome to the show, Mark. Could you start out by telling a bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks for uh, having me here today, Christian. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I got into that uh, renewable space in about 2011, just kind of random recruitment call from someone I had worked with before on a, on a sales side. And, um, you know, he actually brought me into a, a, a company that was doing water retrofits for multifamily buildings and just kind of expanded from there. I, I didn't take me long to, to be bringing in about 70% of their, their business. And I got recruited by another company that went on to do a good strong start. Yeah. I, I, they were a little bit upset when I left, I think, but, uh, you know, the company that recruited me was, was good timing. Cause I, I had, um, established a relationship with a large, uh, REIT, a real estate investment trust. And, and it wasn't a project I thought that the, uh, original company could handle and, and the new company did lighting and solar as well. And, you know, I kind of cut my teeth there for a couple of years and just started seeing how the operations worked and, and what I thought I could do better. So, in uh, early 2016, I left, started my own company, went and got my solar contractor's license, and here we are today. Fantastic. What, what do you think has kept you in the industry for going on almost 10 years now? Yeah, it, it you know, partly is passion, certainly. Um, I'm a big believer in climate change and, the you know, the unfortunate horrors that could follow if we're not going to be doing anything about it. So it's definitely a, a personal passion of mine. Um and even though I kind of lucked my way into the industry, you know, in, in California specifically, I'm not sure about the rest of the country or the world, certainly, but um, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of traction here. There's a lot of incentive programs that that help businesses go green, uh, you know, with the green loans that have come out with companies and multifamily properties refinancing in order to get better rates through green projects. Um, it just it's just kind of ballooned into something that. Uh, a, I'm passionate about, and B, it's something I can certainly continue to make a living at for a while as we try to hit these 
hundred percent renewable goals by 2050. Maybe to tell us a bit about what your company is doing, Panel for the Planet. Yeah, so Panel the Planet is um, is solar based, uh, and so I mean, right now uh, we're in the middle of a you know, 153 kilowatt system, I think, for a for a movie theater, and this is our second project with them. Um, you know, we're working on some processing plants right now, and then uh, we have about a, a megawatt on the docket with with some multifamily properties across three locations. So, we're definitely excited about the growth there. We we do see uh, that we we've you know gained a step every year, which is great. Um, we do the residential side as well, but that's not as much of a focus for us. It's more when it when it lands in our lap kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it, about two years ago, I, you know, I'd, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to have a broad approach to this renewable side. So I, I found myself losing some lighting projects to the same company over and over again, and I couldn't really figure out why. And I ended up meeting them at a conference and turns out they were one of about three contractors that had a special funding program through Southern California Edison, which I had no access to. And I said, well, I guess I, I should probably be working with you guys if I can't, <laughs> can't get that funding. <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them. Exactly. And, and the, the great news there was that was originally just for to, to add lighting to our scope. But um, I had so much uh, knowledge and background in the water side. And they had, you know, a lot of the water projects go through multifamily portfolios and you know their their main business was also multifamily, but he had no knowledge base on the on the water side. So we decided in uh, I think it was 2018 to to set up a joint venture company, which is basically a general partnership to to go after those those water projects together, and and um, and that's been pretty lucrative as well. I think we've been one of the higher producing companies. What are you doing in the water projects? Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So uh, again, through you know municipal water district in California, they they basically are the the big water provider for about 26 different water agencies and and through all of them especially in Los Angeles Department of Water and Power there's there's a lot of incentive programs through that and so what we do is we'll go into a typically a multifamily building we'll enter every unit and we'll we'll switch out the old um you know three and a half gallon flush toilets or even the 1.6 low flows and get them into a 0.8 to one gallon uh, high efficiency along with shower heads and aerators. And, you know, just to give you an example, we did three large buildings out in uh, Santa Clarita, California through a different program. And um, what's great about it is, you know, the, the water district was projecting about 28 million gallons of water saved year one, but turns wow. out, yeah, the buildings were so old and, or the toilets were so old rather that there was um, unknown leaks that were not detected um, until the project was, was uh, underway. And we ended up saving 37 million gallons year one on just across those those three buildings. So um, it's it's pretty. I don't know. I, I find it very exciting because California, technically, we are living in a desert here, so um, <laughs> water <laughs> can be uh, ex excruciatingly scarce from time to time. So yeah, and you have had some quite severe droughts in the last couple of years mm -hmm. as well. I find really interesting is you've really taken a sort of energy efficiency approach and not just solar, but sort of you have the, the LED lighting and the water as well as the, the, the solar panels. Is it all sort of an integrated solution or, or how, how do you work that out with the client? Well, it, it can be. And, and then just also, you know, part of our approach, we are very client centric. I never feel like uh anything but work i work for the client and i'm trying to make sure that their goals are reached and you know part of that is i mean we've seen 
companies come in, they do a project and then they wash their hands and you can't even get them on the phone again. Our approach is, is long-term because we know that there's, there's always going to be a need. There's always going to be uh, better technology down the road. And so, you know, a lot of the clients that we have, we've been working with for years on different projects, but, um, but yeah, now with, with, uh, there's two different whole building programs in California that, you know, that you can get, a, um, an incentive per unit, which is actually even more attractive in, in low income areas. Cause they will incentivize it even higher. And so we can go in on a single incentive and do water upgrades, uh, smart thermostats, in-unit LED lighting, common area lighting, a bunch of things for, for gas, like, like upgrading the boilers and the, the pool pumps and, and, and things like that. Um, and we're also, uh, actually pretty active in the EV charger space as well, trying to get, get those, uh, upgrades to not only multifamily, but commercial space as well. Fantastic. Oh, that's really exciting. Have you actually felt sort of our curiosity, sort of the new legislation coming in with sort of uh, they have to put solar on new builds? Is that something you can feel has pushed it further or? Yes and and no. I mean, I know that in California, you kind of have to build solar ready from here on out, um, which yeah. is great. But what's funny is, uh, I mean, even in the, the town I'm living in now, there, there's a there's a new uh, complex of residential and we're going to be doing a project there. And what's funny is they're, what I find amazing is that they're required to hit a certain, um, the, the construction company is required to hit a certain percentage. I think it's like 15 or 20% solar. So you'll see houses through this association with four panels, five panels on a, on a 5,000 square foot house, which obviously is barely making a dent. And it just blows my mind that like, why wouldn't you just finish that and do it and do it right the first time I, I you know, or or you know, pick houses to to get to make them fully renewable uh, from the get go. So it, it's definitely a step forward. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the the renewable goals in this state, I know neighboring Nevada, same thing, are really aggressive um, between 2030 and 2050. And so um, it's it's obviously a great space to be in. Yeah, that's really really interesting. Sort of, and it's really those targets that really help pushing the agenda. What do you think are some of the obstacles that we need to overcome to sort of hit those targets? You know, part of it, I think, is is mindset. Certainly, um, you know, obviously in uh, in the U.S., we're we're pretty divided right now between left and right. But from where I sit, it's you know, you could be you know on the left side of the political pole and want to go green for for just for the sake of going green at a, on a break even project. But if you're on the right, it's all about dollars and cents. So. I mean, renewables are for the first time in history cheaper than you know oil and coal, and and ultimately, you know, if if you're looking at a building and and it's okay here, we could you know for easy math, we we can knock out your electricity for a hundred thousand dollars and your ROI is five years. Well, you're you're increasing your your property value by four dollars a watt, so you can go sell it for an extra four hundred thousand dollars. Or um, ultimately you know, you could either spend that same amount in electricity over the next five years and have nothing to show for it, or you could have an asset on the, on your roof. That's basically paying your bill. And it, it, it boggles my mind that some people can't, can't see the, uh, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, but that, that still seems to be, um, you know, financing is always one thing, you know, coming out of pocket with cash, can they take tax credits and all those kinds of things. But, um, the solutions are growing every day. So, you know, as long as we're, on top of it and, and educated about it, those are those are what we bring to the table. Do you think is it's sort of the education 
of the businesses and residential areas that's needed or is it knowledge about how the system works and there's so much information and misinformation and confusion out there or what do you see as the biggest obstacles? Yeah, I, I, I know that um, I mean, if you take residential, for example, and, and I find this is the case in, in a lot of industries. I mean, years ago when it was solar was a brand new thing and they had, you know, leased panels. So you can lease the panels and you just buy the, the energy it produces. Well, then you've got a bunch of shady companies going out there and maybe a house only needs 10 panels, but they'll but you could fit 20. So they'd throw 20 up there and now you're required to buy the power. All of a sudden your electric bill just doubled. And so, you know, when an in industry starts out with that kind of stigma, you know, sometimes that's harder to harder to overcome long-term until it, until it settles back down again. So, you know, and then it's just, a, I, I don't know, I could show my, show people my bills all day. I mean, I, my, my electric bill is zero on a month to month basis, minus the Minus the uh, distribution, not the distribution, but the connection fee the of about ten bucks, and you know it, it's it's pretty pretty obvious once you put it put it on paper. It's just um, it's just really getting people to wrap their head around the fact that uh, that it that it does work. It's a it's a real technology, and and it um, it's more valuable than than what we're doing uh, worldwide. I think. Does all all initiatives have to come together? I think it's really fascinating when we spoke before, before the podcast sort of uh, on how you really take a holistic approach to your clients. Could you provide us a case study or two to sort of where you can really see you've made a difference? Uh, sure. I, I mean, there's a project that we're, um, we're on the last stage of the project, which is actually the solar component. Um, but we did, a, this was for an office building. We did a, a full water upgrade to all their, all their bathrooms, full lighting upgrade, uh, EV chargers, uh, for for both the owner and the the tenants of that office building, and then cool cool white reflective roof on the top with twenty two kW of solar. So when you take it, that example, so you changed the roof as well. We did. Um, it, it did need a, a little bit of a, a little bit of effort, and you know you you can always go with it with a traditional roof, but as soon as you put the cool roof up there, um, you know a lot of times you're going to be knocking out an, an additional ten to to twenty percent depending on the the building structure, um, just off the electricity alone from the air conditioners, not having to work so hard. So yeah, that's, I mean, it's a perfect example of where the lighting might've knocked out 15% of the common area and the cool roofs knocking out another 10 and the solar's knocking out 50. Well, had we done just a single, a single project at that building, I mean, it would have been beneficial, but it would not have been as, um, as much of an overall solution as we provided. And is that a common sort of thread that you have uh, across your clients that really is having to sort of add the different components together? And how receptive are they of that? Or do they just come in and think, okay, I just add solar? Yeah. Well, if someone just wants to do solar, we're not going to say no, that's for sure. <laughs> of course not, of course not. But, but again, I mean, when you're looking out for the client, um, I mean, I can give you an example from a couple of years ago. We had a, um, there was a, we could have put a solar system up to knock out uh, you know, hundred percent of their usage. And, you know, I think it was a, maybe it was an 80 kilowatt system. They had the roof space to go hundred percent, but at the same time we could do a, a full lighting upgrade and cut the, we, we were able to cut the system size by about 20%. And, you know, the net effect of that was cutting, you know, the light, the extra 20 KW of solar was twice as much as the lighting project. So, 
we still got the net effect of 100% offset while reducing their overall cost and, and their ROI being shortened. So, um, and again, it, it all comes down to education and having people just kind of understand what what are their big pain points in in certain uh, areas of their properties and and what we can do to it to address those. And you know, it's not always it's not always going to work, but we always want to present something that's that's best case scenario. So renewables have really come sort of a, a long way on a price journey down to being more competitive, but they still have sort of incentives in California. Sort of how, how far away do you think we are where we don't need those incentives? Or, well, it's true that uh, I mean, you see, you've probably seen that chart before that says, "Oh, the cost of solar panels has dropped eighty percent in the last fifteen years." Well, in the same time, the, the cost of labor is probably—I wouldn't say it's increased eighty percent, but it certainly uh, goes up every year. Um, so there is kind of an inverse relationship there uh, between equipment and and uh, execution. Yeah, it does not go on. It doesn't have a one-to-one effect. Right. But it's still, I mean, it's interesting. So, you know, when you talk about the water incentives, the way the current laws are written and some of the laws that are going to, into effect in, in a couple of years, it it's almost doesn't make sense that they still have incentives to do these programs because it you know, at, at the base level, they're going to be required to, to do these kind of water upgrades at some point. Um, however, being in the business, the incentives do really help because, you know, a lot of times, and again, Los Angeles specifically, a lot of these programs, we're coming to a client with a, with an upgrade solution that, that they're not a dollar out of pocket. And yet, um, you know, I know one building that we did in 2018 with 550 bathrooms, they, saved uh, $60,000 year one and didn't spend a dime on the project. So, you know, that's a whole, that's a whole extra employee they could have um, just for the, the water savings alone at that one property. Um, so, you know, the incentives certainly, certainly help. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the value, the value add to it, to a property, especially when you can still take the tax credits and the depreciation and all that, um, to me, it's it's always a no brainer. It's just <laughs> getting other people to see that <laughs> see that line of thinking as well. You mentioned before you have a lot of EV or more more EV uh, charging stations coming up in connection to the solar. Is is that a is that a sort of recent trend or something people are asking for? Also on commercial buildings or. And, and again, I, 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 I hate to to keep reverting back to the incentives that California puts out there, but. Um, you know, for example, uh, in in Los Angeles, you can get five thousand dollars per charging station with a maximum of forty in in the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. So that's a two hundred thousand dollar incentive. And you know, while it might not be a huge money maker or benefit to the building on uh, just from the sheer volume of equipment, on the flip side, I mean, ten years from now, you're going to see a major shift of of electric or plug-in hybrids versus gas-powered vehicles. So, you know, if I'm a renter, for example, and I'm and and I have a choice between apartment A and apartment B, one has a charger and one doesn't, and they're the same rent. Obviously, I, I, my choice is made for me right there. And is it free? Is it free to charge basically when it comes to the solar, or, or so you don't pay tariffs? Or it it really depends on the how the client wants to set it up. They could set it up as a revenue stream. They could. Uh, you know, let let the um, the EV charger manufacturer create that revenue, and there and they just have nothing to do with it, and they get credited back for what for what's charged on their electric bill. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of ways 
to do that. And then, I mean, you, you see companies like, um, like solar edge, the inverters that, you know, get a lot of solar edge inverters out there that, that, that are now, uh, integrating EV chargers right into the, the solar system. So it's, you know, the solar is powering, you know, the, the EV charger before it even goes back to the grid. Um, you know, so this, it, it's, it's one of those things It's an evolving, um, process right now, but I, I, you know, I think where the, where the technology is going and where, you know, where the drivers are going to be in, in pretty short fashion, it, it makes a lot of sense for, for companies to take advantage of, of this. And even in, I, I would say the same thing applies to commercial as well, like grocery store, a grocery store B, if I can charge my car while I'm shopping my groceries versus I can't, and we're, we're looking at the same price of tomatoes. I mean, I'm going to the one where I can charge my car. Oh, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's an interesting perspective on it. When you look ahead in the future, sort of what, what are some of the trends you're seeing and, and, and where do you think we'll be in, in three years' time or more? This is difficult in renewables to go much more beyond that. It's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm sure you hear these things all the time where, oh, this company's got a panel and, you know, just invest over here and pretty soon we're going to be at double the efficiency and, and um, or we have these... Uh, these these cells inside our panels that are going to be tracking and you know um I, i'm a big believer that technology is always going to evolve um at a geometric pace i mean you know i i i grew up with a rotary phone in my house and now i got a computer in my pocket it's it's so um it, it's always it's it should ultimately always get better um from that standpoint it should also always get easier to maintain and to uh and, and to manufacture and to produce and to install um and at the same time you know you don't want to see people waiting for the next best thing to do to do something because they're basically just leaving all that that money on the table but is that something you encounter often that people sort of wait want to wait to for the next generation or upgrade i think it's you know and part of the reason that we kind of shy away from residential is is i think people make decisions more with their heart than their head when it comes to residential and they just think oh well won't the panels be better next year? Well, yeah, but the tax credit will be less. And and you just left, you know, $1,500 on the table of your electric bill. So was it worth it to wait for an extra 1% of efficiency? Probably not. Um, but no, I, I don't think that's a, a general objection. I, I just see that more on the, on the residential side of, of, you know, working, working with their houses. But I mean, I mean, long-term, I mean, this, to me, the sky's the limit. Um, I, I, I saw I think a documentary a couple of years ago talking about now we have a, a little over 300 million people here in the U S you've got 300 million people in India that don't even have power. So you've got the entire U S baked into another country with zero electricity. Um, it's countries like that, that I think can hopefully uh, lead the charge uh, in order to, to get to a more renewable space. And, and again, to, to the people that are not on the climate change page, let's say, I still revert back to, at the end of the day, I mean, oil, coal, gas, those are all finite resources. You know, if the sun goes away, we're all going away. So, I, I mean, it, it, those kinds of things. Problem. Exactly. I mean, same thing with wind. I mean, uh, pretty sure that wind doesn't cause cancer, as as some people I've heard say. Um, <laughs> but that's that's a conversation for another day. But I mean, yeah, the 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 amount of uh technology expertise and, and innovation out there in the world I, I can only see it getting getting better moving forward 
as you know, sort of at Renew Executive Search, we work with a lot of clients and candidates globally who are really seeking to grow their businesses and careers by getting the top talent into their companies. What are some of the qualifications uh, you think is missing in the renewable industry? I think uh, it, it it's interesting because I, you know there's definitely um you know passion is a is a big big part of it um, and then. On on the flip side, I think you know you have to have a, a really strong business acumen to understand the client's needs and and what you know what their goals are and what they want to do. So find finding people that have that have both is really is really what you what you need to do. I mean, obviously, um, anything on this planet is is a learnable skill um, with practice and time. So it, you know if you've got the passion for it, then you got to learn the business. If you've got a business mind, then you got to learn learn the technology. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it's always going to be about communication and relationships, no matter what business you're in. You've been in the industry for, for a long time. Um, when you see people fail in the sector, what do you think are the typical reasons for that? Well, I, I, you mean it's like companies or just people in general? It could be both. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know, uh, you know, sometimes it's just, it, you can be a victim of circumstance where you know, you get used to doing business one way. I I, I know a, a company uh, that was doing really well in the uh, in the roofing industry, and um, all of a sudden they got a, a government prevailing wage job, and they they thought this was going to be the the best thing in the world. Well, turns out when you when your employees are getting paid triple what they're used to, they actually their productivity goes down, um, and so you underbid a job and you go out of business. That's you know I I think that's uh you know, one of the, one of the things that, you know, when you're dealing with, uh, RFPs where you have to, to bid against, you know, 15 to 20 other companies, you got to make sure going in that, 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 you know, that you can, um, do that project for what you said you can do it at and still make a profit. And you're, you know, you're not going to go, go belly up because of it, just to, just to compete in that space. I mean, if it's, if you can't, if you can't do it, um, or you, you think you're, you're cutting it too close then you should probably walk away. Um, there's, there's going to be another project, you know, down the line in a, in a week or two that'll, that'll make a lot more sense for you. There are enough projects. Mm -hmm. You've been, uh, in previous industries before you got into renewables, how different would you say that it is working in renewables compared to the industries you experienced? I would say quite different. Um, uh, believe it or not, I was a working musician for, for almost 20 years. And uh, I worked in a, in a TV studio for a long time. Um, that those were definitely two of my. That sounds a little bit different. Very different, yeah. More more original passions, but in those industries are are very difficult in their own right. Um, and uh, you know, and it was it was kind of again a happy accident that between that life and this one that that uh, I got a recruitment call to. To, to go work at that water company because had that not happened, I don't, I don't know what I'd be doing right now and, um, or where I'd be. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's still, you know, any business you're in, I, I still say is about, is about relationships and how you treat them. Because if you're, it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters how good you are at your job. If people um, don't relate to you or can't respond to you and, or, um, you know, it's just, it, it, it really, comes down to the, that old slogan it's not what you know it's who you know and and um and and how you treat them lastly do you have any words of advice or counsel you can give 
for those looking to either grow their renewables career or perhaps get into the industry for the first time? Yeah, I think this is pretty standard advice in any industry, but it it all comes down to uh, to networking. Um, I mean, when I first moved to to California, I'm originally from the Boston area. Um, and I had met this film producer and she, her advice to me was leave the house. And as simple as that sounds, it's yeah, you're, you're not going to get anywhere sitting in your apartment, watching TV, playing video games or any, anything of the sort. You need to go out, you need to meet people, you need to meet like-minded people. And, and I think it, education is key. You need to constantly be learning. Um, you, you can't just think that you, uh, you know, you read the latest, so so you know everything. Because, and 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 again, it's a great example with the incentive programs in California. Um, I, I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be where I am not not having dug dug out that information that that my competitor had access to funding that I I didn't. So, um, you know, it's it's always about turning over the next stone. You're never you're never as you're only as good as your uh, next job, as, as they say, just in, in pretty much any industry. So it's it's just perseverance. Well, thank you so much, co-founder and CEO Mark Layton for Panel The Planet. It's been a pleasure talking to you here today. And if you like the podcast, please rate us on iTunes or Spotify, where you get your podcast, and do share it with your friends and colleagues. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Renewables Going Mainstream with Brand Hanley and Christian Crown, partners at Renew Executive Search. We hope you enjoyed hearing our renewable industry experts' stories as much as we enjoyed recording them. If you want to learn more about this fast-growing sector and learn how you can become more involved, please subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brand, Christian, Renewable Executive Search and the booming renewables industry, visit www.goforrenew.com. That's www.go4renew.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode of Renewables Going Mainstream.